Adam, what's going on, mate? Uh, good to be here, mate. Honored. Uh, it is good to have you. Uh, let's be honest, I'm not happy to have you. You're just another person on the list. Uh, no, it's good to have you, bro. Welcome, ladies and gents. Welcome to Talk To Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. I wouldn't call Adam a friend as much as I'd call him an enemy. Um, yeah, I just don't like him too much, to be honest. Nah, it's good to have you, bro. Thanks for jumping on. No worries, mate. I am honoured that I'm the, the first lawyer I've somehow got in front of Ben Manor. I know he's a very um Listen, very busy person, but I'd love to see him on the show soon. We just needed... um Yeah, see, see, Ben, we've got to call uh, him out. After Pastor comes on. I love it. We're just calling everyone out. Now, listen, we needed to um, sort out our cultural diversity. We realised that there was a lot of Lebos and we needed an Aussie. So I just thought, the first Aussie I thought of was you. Um, no, but thank you for jumping on, man, ladies and gents. If you don't know Adam too well, Adam is... Um, one of my mates from church is a lawyer, brand new lawyer. Congratulations on that, man. That is awesome news. Um, as well as that, he is one of the most ministry-minded blokes I know, loves the ministry, loves missions, and um, just loves being part of the church. So we're just going to get your story, bro. And um, on top of all of that, ladies and gents, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he's the star of Kingdom Kids. So I've got like an actual <laughs> you know, star here. <laughs> <laughs> that comes up everywhere I go. Uh, and don't you worry, it's going to come up today. How'd you get it? How did you get into that, first off? I know it's a family thing, mm-hmm. but what goes through your head when your dad says to you, hey, we're going to do this? I thought at the time it was a great idea. How old were you? Oh, I think when we first started it, I was single digits, probably seven or eight. And your idea predates, I think it even predates my my birth to be honest but really so yeah he dad, wanted to do that for a while yeah yeah it was dad had been praying about it but just waiting for the right time and so when he did start it there were several things that fell into place but it was just it was a perfect time and you'd just be amazed it's it was a ministry that just started out as something small at home and now i think dad says it's in over 20 countries dead set so it really made its rounds yeah it certainly did I, when i went to up in New Guinea for two months, and we'll get to this later. I don't want to jump the gun. Yeah. But in 2015, for two months, I got there, and they were watching Kingdom Kids. You're <laughs> kidding? No joke. So, so it's it's. So everyone. he comes to you and he says, "I want to put together a kids show mm-hmm. that's just Bible based around God, all that sort of stuff." What was the process like? Like, talk us through one of the episodes. I guess. How do you make one if you remember much of it? I know that there was a lot of singing behind the scenes. Okay. Um, and then we would go to like a park or to a location and we would sing to the camera. Mm-hmm. So, and then dad would go home and we'd put the two together. And then a um, couple of sessions we did in a studio as well. That was, mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. And the rest of the time was just telling Bible stories, puppets, mascots, um, and the plan of salvation at the end. Um, That's all. It was like a big Sunday school lesson. That's awesome. And yeah. um, if the people want to find it now, where can, where can they find these uh, videos, DVDs, whatever? Um, you could just contact our family. The yeah. Kingdom Kids is on Facebook. You can just send Kingdom Kids a DM. Dad gives the the DVDs away now. So That's anyone sad. that wants them, he just really? gives them away. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. That's a, How many episodes you end up making? Oh, now you're stretching my memory. Probably eight. I'd like to say, but I've definitely got it wrong, I reckon. That's <laughs> awesome. So you guys really put together eight episodes of a kids, let's be honest, TV show um, that spread the gospel, taught kids about salvation, taught kids about mm. Bible stories, and it's out there. 
It's mm. all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah, and it really it laid the foundation for what would come in the future. Mm-hmm. And you know, because we've worked together in kids' ministry, I've taken a bit of a step back now and you're really into it. But that laid the foundation for, you know, junior MBFs, children's church, holiday Bible clubs. And just really getting into ministry in general. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into that, because I do want to explore that, let's go back. Let's go back to your salvation point. When do you get saved? So it was the 24th of February, 2004. Okay. Wow. Good year, 2004. Doggies won the grand final. Yep. Oh, there you go. (laughs) What happened? Um, So I think that was a Tuesday. We had been in church, as we always had been, on the Sunday. And we were attending Liberty Baptist at the time. The preacher preached. And uh, the message, I don't remember all of the message, but I remember him talking about heaven and hell and how the personal choice that we make now determines where we'll go in eternity. That's what the Bible teaches, he was saying. So anyway, I was thinking very seriously about it. I'd heard the gospel over and over in Sunday school. We had t- it was a good Bible-believing church. And um, I got home and thought about it for a day or two. And come Tuesday night, I said to mum and dad, I need to get saved. And so um, dad prayed with my brother and I. My brother got saved the same Same day. day. That's why I say, uh, I said at Johnny's wedding a couple of weeks ago now that we were joined at the hip. (laughs) Everything we (laughs) did did as kids uh, was together. So it, yeah, it was really nice that we can share the same spiritual spiritual birthday and and subsequent um, birthdays. So, yeah, it was a really good time. Praise the Lord for it. I know I was saved that day. You know, you have doubts along the way. The devil always comes along and tries to play with your your mind and tell you that you're not a Christian, but we know that the Bible's pretty clear on on eternal security. And so, you know, every time the devil comes and tries to tell you otherwise, you just claim the promises of God. And, you know, our salvation's not based on our feelings but upon God's promises. So... That's so encouraging. How old were you? Are you about nine? Uh, at the time, seven turning eight. Okay, so you're not that much older than me then. Mm. Okay, so um, you get saved, you start going through the whole, I don't want to say the motions, but you go through the motions of being a Christian, growing up in a mm. Christian household, things like that. If you had to say that was the one of the biggest struggles of growing up in a Christian household, especially in your position where you're saved, but you're also like, one of the faces of this kids program where churches are starting to, I mean, it's a lot of pressure for a, for an eight year old. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a lot there. What's one of the hardest things that you had to go through in regards to that in growing up in a Christian house? Mm. It's, it's hard to say what the hardest thing was because mm. there's always challenges wherever you go in life. Of course. But I think one of the challenges for me, it's not so much that I walked away from God, although there was a point, um, in 2013, 2014, where I, where I was at a spiritual point that I probably shouldn't have been at. Mm. I could have been closer to God. But I think just learning to talk to unsaved people and actually listen to them. I'd, uh-huh. I had been, you know, raised in a Christian family, and praise the Lord for that. It, I'm really thankful for that. Went to did homeschooling for a, for a lot of my years and then went to Christian school. So the environment is, you know, very, by and large sheltered. Very sheltered, yeah. And, you know, I'm thankful for that. You don't want to be, you know, thrown in hey, the sewer, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
and you know mum and dad cared about us so they were investing in in us and in our education so I'm thankful for that but we didn't get apart from you know a bit of community sport and you know making some friends down at the park we didn't have that constant interaction with you know people with different perspectives of life so you know when I came to uni it it was just not a not a whole nother world but literally you can't just turn to the person next to you and say oh you know I was reading this in my bible today it's a different sort of the natural man it's a different world comprehend spiritual things and that is a you know I much prefer um to be in church you know and around you know the things of God that's how we are as Christians but I think we need to also keep in mind that there's a lost world out there yeah and if we live in our hermit kingdoms they're never going to be reached so if you had to raise your kids and this is something that i'm asking very it's a big question would you put them through the same pathway homeschool uh for most of their education oh i think i'll uh, take that question on notice on notice yeah fair enough because it, it's, <laughs> it's a i think it's a i fair, would christian a, education definitely christian education for sure mm-hmm. it's a very interesting sort of like i mean topic of discussion because mm-hmm. there's so many positives to it but then mm-hmm. there are the negatives of okay how do i acum I'd say a big word and it didn't work. How do I get them to join the world mm. without them feeling excluded, not excluded, but like so separate that they don't know how to communicate with the world? You know what I'm mm. saying? It's a very interesting topic of conversation. Mm. I think one person once used this specific phrase mm. or this concept of controlled exposure to the world. That's great. Where your parents other ones you know they have spiritual responsibility over you as when mm. you're a young person and so they slowly introduce you to things in the world that are there that you can't avoid that you will run into eventually but that they teach you to see it from a biblical perspective mm. so they don't shelter you from it but they take you through it with god's word and that shows the you the importance of the parent in the mm. kid's life. It shows you how important it is that the parent does their job. Mm. And we're not parents. We, we, we don't know what that feels mm. like yet. But it's so important that a parent does their job to make sure that their kid is growing spiritually and being shown the things that the world does offer, but in the proper way. Mm. So you grow up in that Christian household. Things go well. And I want to get back to what you said before about how that, king, how that kingdom kids really exposed you to ministry. When did you start to get the bug or the love for ministry? Oh, it was always a thing that we would do as a family. So there's always an excitement. Yeah. Or there was always an excitement around ministry. So whenever we would put together a, a DVD or go and, you know, do some filming or, you know, run a HBC or do kids ministry, it was always really exciting. And it really hasn't changed. I still love yeah, even though thing. I'm not, you know, hands on in kids ministry. At the moment, I really, you know, I really well, enjoy your, it. Your ministry grows and it changes. Mm. And, you know, as you get older, sometimes your ministry shifts paths. But it really, what do you call it? Like, I guess Kingdom Kids, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. exposed you to ministry and gave you sort of that love for it and made you want to continue doing it. Would you say that's right? Yeah, that it, it, that wasn't the only thing. Yeah, that okay. Was the Explain only contributing it. factor. But I think just being in a good Bible-believing church at the time that was focused on, you know, soul winning and evangelism and training up the next generation. Mm. All the really important things, obviously strong on doctrine as well, um, was all really important. And just seeing, you know, um, 
ministries being done, people happy in doing it. You know, oftentimes I just see people doing it because they have to. Yeah, and that's the that's the interesting. It wasn't that way. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about ministries. There's so many people involved, but how I guess happy are you to be part of God's ministry because you can feel a lot of the Christian life can feel like I'm doing it for the sake of doing it mm. but I guess that's where your relationship with God comes in right mm. yes so then you go on your first missions trip when is that okay so the well, things kingdom kids continued on but my younger sisters were more involved in it because it's more of a ministry to kids you want kids faces you kids don't buy want kids you don't want this face as the face of kingdom I kids that, once I want <laughs> face doing anything for me mate yeah <laughs> Um, and then went to Christian school, Southern Cross. Uh, had a really good friendship with um, many people there that helped me spiritually. Mm-hmm. I got my first, the, one of the fellows in the church there gave me my first job. Um, and I, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do around probably year 11, year 12, uh, the Lord started opening doors for me to go to law school, which is another topic we can get to that later. But um, my principal suggested, and he's a very wise, godly man, that that I go and take six months to work and save a bit of money so I could go and do a mission trip somewhere. Okay. So at the time, Papua New Guinea were offering uh, visas for up to two months All right. for religious workers to go in, and I knew several missionaries there so i said you know why don't i just defer law school i was accepted into law school in uh mid 2014 mm-hmm. and uh deferred that for six months at the start of 2015 and went to papua new guinea and lived there for two months and that was that was just a life-changing experience How just find it first time out of australia okay wow. so so you're 18 <laughs> yeah Okay, so 18 years old, you go to Papua New Guinea. What's the what's the biggest shock to your system? Oh, I think just arriving there and seeing the airport, I was like, I've never seen anything like this before. It's full on. <laughs> yeah, and it was hot and it smelt um, quite badly in some of the cities, the major cities like Leh where I was. Mm. They A lot of people just burn their rubbish, so it smells in the air. Yeah. Um, but then I got picked up by uh, Sam Crow. Picked me okay. up in the in his troop in in one of their troopies, and um, we pulled over after about twenty minutes of driving, and we just stopped at one of those, um, you know, little markets. Yeah. But it's not like a market you would have here. Literally, people with just fruit and vegetables all over the road. And he gets out there, and he's just having a good old conversation with them, and they're sitting there talking for about twenty minutes. I thought, <laughs> I wouldn't want to eat anything off the floor there. <laughs> You give me a million dollars, <laughs> I wouldn't want to touch it. You know, by the end yeah. of the trip, I was loving it. Yeah, <laughs> but that was kind of when the shock started to to actually set in. But it was during the course of that trip that the Lord really. I think He grew me a lot, just being away from home. Everything I knew, um, I I learnt a lot. I think I preached my first message to a congregation on that trip as well. Okay. It must have been an absolute shocker. Do they speak English over there? Why is that? Oh, it, they translated it. So your first message is translated. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, no, it was it was an interesting experience, but yeah, it it just grew me. And 
then after I preached my first message, brother Dave Cotton, who was supposed to come down to TNS, he happened to be over there in New Guinea okay. at the same time, okay. running or preaching in a camp. And I did have some, like I've mentioned before, some some spiritual struggles in 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. You know, many of the struggles that um, everyone has, yeah. many young Christian guys would go through. And during those meetings, th- these are tent meetings, by the way. He literally just... Oh, okay, so you're th- not even in the building. No, no, no. Well, they gave us like these um, uh, timber shacks to stay in. The okay. pastor gave us his house. He went and slept outside. That's sad. Incredible. Anyway, so you got um, a couple of us staying in the pastor's house, but outside there's this huge tent, like 400 people in there. They sit in there and listen to preaching all day. They get their food in there, like one or two meals a day, and listen to preaching. Wow. Go and, they go and shower down in the... You're kidding. In the river. <laughs> You're the kidding. River. So they're, they're literally just being surrounded by it. Yeah, constantly. And then you know, sometimes we complain about a message going for forty minutes. Yep. This is Davo like preaching back to back messages all day. Wow. And some of his messages just shook me to the core. Like I just yeah. remembered going back into the into the into the shed and just crying. And the last night Davo preached and we just sat down and had a chat and that's when I was like, you know, I need to get back on track. I know that God's got a plan for my life. And, you know, he's set me on this path at the moment with, you know, with law school and all the other things that come along with that. Um, but, you know, I, I did surrender to the ministry in 2007 at a camp. Okay. I was a young guy, but yeah. God cares about our promises. And he and so, committed that, bro. And so that was the, the moment, the, the penny really dropped for me and I knew... Like I started living with more purpose, I think, from that point on. Right. And I got back to Australia. That's beautiful. And I was ready to go. That's awesome because God's you, like you're going mm. on that missions trip to mm. be a blessing to them, mm. but really God's using that missions trip for you and mm. to get you right and to get you ready for what's to come. Mm. Is that the missions trip that gives you the the love and the passion for missions? I think so. I did. I think a lot of it came down to the exposure that we were given to me like the church that we attended at the time was similar to our church in that the missions program was really important and they would always read out missionary prayer letters and we'd you know have missionaries pass through but then the school i attended did some like regional mission trips Mm -hmm. in 2012 13 14 i think went down to ballarat once to albury so you're really that was that was just fantastic like and that's what I would say to, to many people, and I sound like a broken record again, but, you know, if God gives you an opportunity to take some time out of your life to go and do a small missions trip, you know, maybe not overseas at the moment, but somewhere Anywhere, here in yeah. Australia, there are opportunities. I, um, I, take I agree it. with you. I agree Seize with you because my dad was big on missions as well when I was growing up. And when I was 11... 13, 14, and mm. 15, he sent me on missions trips. Sometimes he wasn't even on them. Mm. He would send me with my uncle or he'd send me with a church group and he'd mm. go, go see it, go see what it is. And that really helped me understand the ministry and understand mm. what the ministry requires. Mm. Um, how important do you think missions is to our local church? Because like you said, we do have a big program for mm. missions and we do have a big emphasis for it. But... I don't know how big an emphasis it has on a personal Christian's life. Mm. As a normal Christian at home, right, 
How do you encourage them to understand the impact of missions? Oh, I think there are several ways that that can be achieved. One is just simply talking about it. You know, there's that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. If things aren't talked about, you know, it slips from people's memories. And you forget it. Yeah, so just even talking about it, having missionaries come through is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like our church, just before um, we had this borders closed, yeah. etc. you know, some of our guys went over to Sri Lanka. And we that, that was, what, February? Just, just before, yeah. and we were planning even more trips. And we went to Mudgee down, uh, down the coast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's opportunities, you know, even with um, the opportunities that we've had with some islanders up in, you know, in northern New South Wales, there are opportunities. So, Take and them. I think that's what this the border closures have really shown us, that we've got a mission field here too. Mm. And that's, you know, my heart, as much as I love overseas and it's, you know, reshaped the way I think, my heart is really for Australia. Yeah, yeah. Your heart's sort of not changed, but redirected to a show. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. I've got the purpose overseas, but I don't feel sentimental about the place, like Papua New Guinea, or I went to East Timor. Probably not the places I want to settle. You're Aussie born and bred, bro. But I think you're right in that Mm. if you've got the chance to, uh, young people, especially coming out of school or have Mm. a school holidays coming up, take the opportunity. Mm. It's huge. It's a big impact, and and it changes the way you really do think about God's work. Um, but bringing it back home, you and I work a, a fair bit in ministry together, um, mm. begrudgingly, let's be honest. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you really love it secretly. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. I, I, I've got a soft spot for you, mate. Um, I don't even remember when we started working together. I, I think it was when you guys moved to Chester Hill. We just were there doing you stuff. You were still in, as a primary student in Sunday school when no, I first No, I wasn't. I, I th- you know what? I think you're right. I think that first year I was, but then the second year I was in high school. And then we started doing stuff. Dad would always take us to Parramatta. You guys would Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. That sort of ministry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we that's would, what I mean. We were definitely, but only kids' ministry, I think, more specifically in the last... In the last two, three years. Two, three years. Yeah. yeah. And more effectively in KBB. So what's your thoughts on that? How, I, I love asking the team, what are your thoughts when I come up to you? Or you see it, because you mm. came in a little bit late. You came in a little bit later down the track. What are your thoughts when you see KBB hit the screen? Well, I, I'd only been on one or two episodes, I think, or maybe three. No, you've been on a lot more than that, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Um, you or know, you've been working in the background, either or. Yeah. You're involved. I don't think since this last lockdown, I, I haven't been on there. You've been all over but the I've place. Been yeah. <laughs> it's so another, that's another story. That's another story entirely. It's, it's, it's really good for the moment we're in. Obviously, it's not ideal that it's all online and kids would much prefer it to be in person. Mm. But, you know, you do the best you can with what you're given. And, you know, full credit. We were talking about this before. Full credit to you, you know. Oh, you, thank God, bro. You know, no, no. And, and, yeah, and thank the Lord, you know. He allowed us not only, you know, the resources, you know, some fantastic people to put the program together, but the ideas, um, the equipment, you know, it's no easy task. It's not. And um, yeah. that's the, I guess, the blessing in disguise is it pulled out some, this COVID thing pulled out something that we never knew we had. Mm. But it was cool to bring you out of retirement <laughs> from uh, the whole Kingdom Kids era and bring you into this. Well, I'm very thankful you came along, Ray, because, um, you know, for a long time we were doing kids' church as a family at Faith. Yeah. And then, the, you know, for different reasons, we, we restructured. Mm. 
and now you know I'm I my schedule is freer now, especially during the holidays when I would usually be at Faith doing children's church to to do you know some of the other things that the Lord's been laying so on my heart. Did you see that as an open opportunity, like God restructuring your schedule to allow you to move on, not move on, sorry, but move to other places and help them with their works there? Yeah, I think. You know, God has a plan for each and every one of us and he used that, the time in kids' ministry, for good. Now, I'm not saying I'm completely retired no, of course from not. kids' ministry. No, no, of course not. But, you know. But it's interesting to get it from your perspective mm. because when I walked into that role mm. um, and started doing children's church there, I was just thinking, okay, this is an opportunity that God's laid before me, mm. ready to do this. It's going to be exciting, revamp the children's church sort of ministry. Mm didn't even think about the fact that it was something you were praying about to see when God would start moving you around and doing your ministry. Mm. That's awesome. It's cool to see how God answered my prayer in that one to be more involved with the kids, but at the same time he's answering your prayer and sending you off. Mm. How often do you leave throughout the year? Because I tease you about this a lot. I think you're away from Sydney more than you are, <laughs> but what's what's the legitimate year? What's a year looking like for you when you're going around and, you're doing well i think you know you take it week by week almost and i i was telling you in our chat before that i i've only had about three weeks of actual leave from work since the pandemic mm. all the restrictions came into place but it's it's almost been the lord just brings across opportunities when you least expect it okay to do the things that i that i Get had do. thought you know maybe this is where god wants me to to be and, you know, even just this, I think this year has been a major year for me as far as developing as a preacher and, you know, building more contacts across Australia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go to Catherine in May, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Pastor was actually planning on going up there and Pastor and I have worked together to get to this point yeah. where sometimes he's presented an opportunity that he would usually take Mm -hmm. and he knows where I want to go and my ministry desires and he goes Adam how about taking this opportunity and so he was supposed to go to Catherine and he sent you and he said no I've got some personal commitments etc and he said Adam would you go and you know Davo had broken his leg at the time Pastor Cotton sorry had broken his leg at the time and needed someone to just help out for a couple of weeks you know Fraser Young went up for a couple of weeks um, somebody else went up for some of the time. Some of the men in the church helped out, but there was a, a need for a particular week. And, you know, I was able to speak with my boss and get the time off and go up there and, you know, speak, you know, two Sundays there and a couple times throughout the week and at the correction facility as well. Oh. And, you know, that was like one of the best weeks of yeah. my life. And, you know, the Lord just opened that opportunity and then even just with this previous trip we've talked about, I think I preached probably three or four times in two or three different churches or two or three different settings. And so the Lord's just been opening doors. I'm I'm very thankful. And and I can see myself heading more in that evangelistic direction direction in the future. That's awesome. Mm. You mentioned your boss. Mm. So how do you balance work and this? Because... Let, let's be mm. practical about it. If someone else wants to... I'm thinking of the kid that's watching this and thinking that mm. sounds like the best life ever, going around to churches and helping out. Like, that's mm. awesome. How do they practically balance that? How do you practically balance it? Mm. 
Well, I am working full time as a lawyer, mm-hmm. so it that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, come on, brother, that that's not a small feat. That's huge. You know, it's the daily grind, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's work, but I, I love my job. Civil litigation is a really fun field to be in, mm. and uh, I enjoy what I do. And the fact that I can do it remotely is even better, especially with this latest lockdown. Everything is, has moved online. The court's I, online. Okay. So let me ask online. you that then. Is is the fact that it's remote, is that stock standard in your industry? Generally not. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. Does God, is it, is it just God laid this job in your lap to allow you to be able to do that? Well, it's almost like the pandemic has obviously had its downsides. Uh, it's and, helped. you know, there's some incredible opportunities that I missed out on and was very disappointed about. Like there was an opportunity to go and work with the Christian Law Association in America for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen in April last year, which got cancelled. And, you know, I was really excited about doing yeah. that. But at the same time, with the dashed hopes and the opportunities gone by the wayside because of border restrictions and mm-hmm. and regulations, the Lord's just brought along other opportunities mm-hmm. and, you know, moved my work from primarily being office-based to all online to the point where I just spent, you know, two months away and it, you know, nothing really skipped a beat. But I think once things open up more fully here, I, I will obviously have to be thinking about here, a lot more here and more. I would much prefer to be in the office. Everybody knows and that. How do you balance everything else? Like, because you're away for a certain amount of time, you're away for a while. How do you balance your family, your church, your ministries, your life? How do you balance it all? Oh, it's a it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent. But I I think it's people often ask me how. You know, I think at one point I had, during uni, I had three jobs, was doing a bit of Bible college, church, mm. still trying All to travel a bit. Yeah. It was it was a busy time. And, you know, it's still busy now doing full-time college and mm. working full-time and trying to fit in all these other commitments. But um, I think you'd be surprised how much you can push yourself in life. You know, if, if you took all those things on into your schedule... Yeah. assimilated them into your schedule at one point in time, you would be absolutely overwhelmed. But if you take on, you know, one thing at a time, you and can slowly build up and, and, and you know, have this very busy schedule, but somehow it all just seems to work out. And I think I couldn't agree with you mm. more with that because when I look at my schedule and I look at all the things that I do, mm. um, it shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't work. But you're right. When you slowly take one thing and you add another thing and you slowly add it on, it's one of the advantages of the single life. Mm. And uh, Linda and I were speaking about that a couple of weeks back in that we should be enjoying our single life. We should be enjoying this time because it's a time that allows us to push through and do these extra things that we wouldn't have a chance to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's very important that we do find the time to insert all these things and get what we want to get done i think a person can push themselves not to a breaking point definitely not like i'm gonna assume and because just because i know you you've got a lot of free time for yourself to relax and recoup and that sort of stuff ish um throughout the week it's sprinkled like mine's sprinkled out Mm. i'll find a half an hour here an hour there i'll sprinkle it out Mm. but you've got to find that and you've got to find time to just allow your life to be busy Mm. am i right in saying that yes yes definitely it's it's a big balancing act. You've got to try and fit it all in, but it's very important that 
you make sure that you take time to take care of, you know, your physical well-being, your mental well-being as well is really important. 100%. You know, sometimes, and, you know, that's one of the joys of working from home, you know, you're at home sometimes during lunch or just take off and go for a drive or, yeah. you know, finish work at 4, 4.30 and then log on later during the day and go for a walk. You know, I love going down to Olympic Park and, you know, either going for a longboard or... Yeah, nice. Or go for a run or... I didn't know you did longboard. Yeah, I did. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, since the latest trip to Queensland. <laughs> people of course. introduced me to it and it's it's fantastic, bro. I've heard, bro. It, I, I've seen these videos of these people going down these massive hills and that freaks yes. me out. That's insane. Um, so... Uh, we're talking about the balancing act and all of that. The one thing I want to ask you, especially being in ministry, mm. how hard is it to keep your relationship with Christ on track? Because I'm of the mm. opinion that the cl- the more you do in ministry, the harder it is to keep your relationship right. Yes, I would 100% agree. Um, just because you're doing good things doesn't mean that the relationship with God is where it should be, you know. We always talk about this story, but Mary and Martha, Mm. you know. Martha's, Christ is there and, you know, he's going to have a wonderful time of fellowship with them, but she's so busy going about, like, looking for the next thing to do, which is not wrong in and of itself, you know. She wanted to attend to Christ's physical needs. And, you know, being busy is fine. I'm not against being busy. But sometimes God just wants us to, you know, sit at his feet and listen to what he has to tell us. And so I think that's really important. Just because you're in church serving, that doesn't mean the relationship with God is is strong. Your relationship with God grows when you spend time in his word and and in prayer and, and seeking him. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we get so busy with ministry that those things slip. And we can be doing something that's good, but not mm. that which is best. Especially when you're spending so much time, mm. even if it's in Bible college or just studying for a lesson or a sermon or whatever it is, you can easily use the excuse, oh, I read my Bible while I was mm. studying, so it's all good. Or I read my Bible while I was pre- prepping that message, so I don't need to do my quiet time. Um, so it's so important that we do structure ourselves and make sure that our relationship with Christ is not the mm. thing suffering. Yes. Pastor loves to say this thing. Um, the busier your life is, something suffers. Mm. And it's important that we don't make it that because that is so important. Mm. Um, but then let's talk about all these facets of ministry. Let's come back home again and mm. talk about the development of a, of a new believer, right? Mm. That's one of the things you're involved in as well is the discipling and the helping of mm. new believers. What do you enjoy about that? What's the thing that you love about discipleship in general? Well, getting to teach discipleship with you, Ray, isn't that isn't that the main mate the main thing about mate, it? The more I get to see you throughout the week, the better my week is. Um, Maybe just for context for the for the viewers, oh, Ray yeah. and I were teaching a just before lockdown, essentially a discipleship class together. But Ray's been teaching many more classes. I wouldn't say many more, just a but, couple, but more. a couple more than I have. But that was and we'd my been first involved. We'd been involved in sitting in on them while someone else was teaching. Yeah, yeah, or working alongside Mark yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, what, what, is, what is it that you like about sitting in on those and seeing the new Christians, like, take in this information? I, I think everyone's different and certain people have a lot of baggage when they come mm-hmm. to be discipled. 
And that's hard. You know, people have questions, but you want to try and keep the main thing the main thing and, yep. you know, stick to the text. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, answering their questions so, you know, their curiosity is satisfied or that they're, you know, even that, you know, that if they have any major theological questions which might be hindering their spiritual growth, that you answer them. But one of the real joys, I think, is, and this is mostly coming from more of the epic mm-hmm. Sunday school, is they're just coming in to learn. Yeah. And they're just excited about, you know, learning the fundamentals of the faith. Um, that's just really exciting. When someone is really excited to just learn and see, you know, what God has for them, and they're not only seeing them learn, but then them going along and mentoring Someone else. In a you know, in an informal setting. Yeah. Somebody else that's coming up. That's I, just so exciting. I think that's my favorite part of that ministry is I love to I love teaching discipleship over and over and over again. Like sometimes you get bored of teaching a certain topic. But that one I love because it takes you back to the fundamentals of Christianity. And mm. I'm I'm the guy that's always preaching the simplicity of the gospel. I love how simple it is. Mm. And I love how simple the Christian life is meant to be. But you grow up in the faith or you've spent a lot of years in it sometimes you convolute or you make it difficult and you start changing things or like you start just making it more difficult than it needs to be mm. but when you go back to discipleship it just shows you the simplicity of what our life is it's love god read his word pray go to church and let him work through you mm. um, that's what i love about it what's the biggest challenge of being in that type of ministry oh, i think i almost answered that question <laughs> yeah, before I think the, the challenge is dealing with the baggage that people bring, especially yeah. older people. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's had an experience. Everyone's lived a life. And people have, you know... Um, so much that they've learned throughout yeah. their life. And, you know, some of it might be part of the truth or, you know, bits and pieces of the truth. But, you know, oftentimes that's the hardest thing to unravel rather than, you know, someone just coming in that knows nothing about Christianity. You just teach them all the basics, build it up from the foundation. But someone that's had that that experience or maybe even a religious experience before, they've got a lot of, um, yeah, maybe preconceived ideas or just traditions that are very difficult to, to you know... To, show, to direct. Yeah. yeah. And um, I guess that's why that ministry requires so much prayer. Mm. I mean, the, the biggest thing about that ministry is that the discipler is seeking God to work within the disciple. Mm. I mean, we're just mouthpieces at the end of the day, a little bit of direction, a little bit of advice and guidance. Mm. But at the end of the day, if we're not doing our job in prayer and fasting for this person, um, it's not going to work out well. Mm. And you know, the devil's going to have his way. He's going to try to rip things up and get them to go astray. Um, and I think that's powerful. And I think that's, I guess, the powerful thing about that ministry. Mm. We've spoken a lot about ministries tonight. And I want to ask one final thing for mm. the viewer. Young person, even old person, someone that's trying to get into ministry. Mm. Uh, whether it be full-time, part-time or just on their weekends. How do they find the right one? How do they find the one that suits them? That's a <laughs> that's heavy. Okay. Yeah, it's I like a heavy ask, question. I like asking the heavy <laughs> ones, bro. I like seeing you flustered like this, you know. I think there's there's so many aspects to a question like 100%, that. 100%. But that, that ha- let me simplify it. Mm. For you, what was the one thing that helped you out or one of the things that helped you out in finding the ministry you wanted? 
Let's make it simple. God has given each and every one of us a gift or gifts in certain areas and you can go to the Bible and find out what they are and you'll be able to see very clearly um, what your God-given gifts are. There's actually a little sheet that we hand out at church. Find your spiritual gift. Find your spiritual gift. Find out what your spiritual gift or spiritual gifts are and then think about, you know, pray obviously, and speak with pastor or someone you trust. You know, if you're in Epic, speak with Mark or with Jeremy, speak with Ben, you know, speak with someone you trust spiritually mm-hmm. and ask them and ask the Lord to show you where you would best be suited, um, taking into account the gifts that he has given to you. Mm-hmm. So if you're an encourager, for an example, um, maybe you would be in a ministry that goes around to people's houses and encourages them by giving them some food, for example. Or, you know... The, I, I like, I, you I you understand the from. examples, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think the one thing that is very important is that while we can all choose different ministries to do, mm-hmm. and our church has heaps and heaps of ministries, yeah. if you're good at IT, you can join IT. If you play music... There's the orchestra, the choir, if you like um, teaching children, there's Sunday school ministries, there's something for everyone. For everyone. Yeah. And so what you're good at, you would probably naturally want to get involved in that ministry. But then there's also this other ministry that sometimes may get overlooked, and that is soul winning. Mm-hmm. And I think that is you don't have to be gifted mm. to be evangelising other people. And so, so if you're thinking about, well, what ministry should I be involved in? The obvious first answer, I think, would be get involved in, a, in an evangelistic ministry because that's something you don't, you know, maybe pray about, Lord, do you want me in kids' ministry? That's, that's an option. But you don't need to pray about, oh, Lord, do you want me to be evangelising? He's already told you to do that. So you, you can just immerse yourself into that. And you go, oh, well, I can't really talk that well. The Lord... We'll help you through those. I like issues. that you brought this up because um, it was something I wanted to talk to you about. Explain soul winning to me um, and to the people. Explain the importance of it. Explain the um, the practicality of it. Soul winning is basically going out and sharing the gospel with people. First Corinthians fifteen. Christ was um, he he lived. He's born, lived, he died, rose again for our sins that we might be. Forgiven, and it's simply just going out and proclaiming that message to people. Yeah. Whether you actually say it verbally to them or you give them a gospel tract, people have different ways in disseminating the gospel, and that and that's fine as well. Um, but it's very important, I think, for every Christian to be involved in that in some way. And I think there's no better way, or I mean, sorry, that's probably not the best way of phrasing it, but there's a really good opportunity that our church provides to go out corporately if you're a little bit hesitant to get involved in in some kind of evangelistic ministry with SLAM, for example, Mm. you know, they're not going to ask you to give your testimony the first time you go there. But you'll get to go and play sport and observe some of the the time. And then eventually, you know, the opportunities will come for you to witness to inmates and then to share testimony and then maybe even give a a devotion. And so... Mm. You know, practice makes perfect. 
And it's one of those, th- I loved what you said about the fact that there's so many options, and I never even thought about mm. it like this. There's so many options within the church that you can choose from and might be mm. good for you, but everyone can soul win. Everyone can, um, you know, be a person that evangelizes and preaches the gospel. Mm. There's the corporate way of doing it, of joining the ministries that our church has, whether it be, you know, door knocking, slam, um, witnessing to people, all that sort of stuff. But then there's also the personal mm. soul winning ministry. And that is the one where you're developing relationships with your friends, your family. Um, you're open to spreading the gospel with them. What do you think the most important thing is in regards to being a personal witness? There are many. <laughs> there many, are many. Uh, <laughs> give me one. I think it depends on who you're speaking to. But one thing is very important that I've seen over my time is one, knowing actually there's more than one thing. <laughs> there's plenty. There's a couple of there's things. There's plenty. That that are important to, to note. One is knowing what you talk what you're talking about. Yeah. Don't go out saying you know uh, I need to preach a gospel to and you don't know what the gospel is. That shows how important it is to be studying. And yeah, being, exactly. And in it. Yeah. That's important. I think the other thing is learning to be a listener. You know. Okay. And I use this illustration when I talk about this in a more formal setting. But if you went to see a doctor, for example. And you had some symptoms, maybe you had a cold or a runny nose. And that doctor, as soon as you got in there, didn't listen to you explain any of your symptoms and straight away gave you a prescription and said, right, you need ivermectin, (laughs) for example. You go, I didn't even explain my problem to you. Like, how can you give me a solution when you don't understand what I'm going through? Mm. And that's, you know, you've been to a fair few doctor's appointments in your time. And yeah, thanks for that slightly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that, that's the thing, saying. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't understand where someone is at spiritually unless you listen to them. Mm. And so it's really important if you're going to be that personal, you know, if you just pass someone in the street, you don't have time to understand the story. But personally, with people that you know, take time to listen to them and you might be surprised, okay, this person already believes that Jesus is God. So I don't need to emphasise that. Whereas with someone from a different religious background, you may need to go through those those steps in the beginning and establish, you know, clear doctrinal mm. truths before you move on to the next part of the gospel. And I think that's such an important point mm. that you bring up because it can be so easy to try and spout the script that you've prepped mm. in your head. We all do it. You know, we, we've all got that script in our head and we just want to get through it, prove our points, all that sort of stuff. But three quarters of the time, a person realises they're lost mm. just by saying something to you mm. and saying what they believe out loud. And it's so important that we're there to listen to them because especially in today's day and age, no one's listening. Mm. Everyone's thinking about what's going on in their head, but they're not willing to listen to other people's things. So when they find someone that's willing to listen, it's a big deal to them. And that, look, that's where the opportunities come up. When mm. you listen to people, you'll see where they are spiritually. If mm. you just take the time to be interested in someone and in their life and what they're doing, those opportunities, people say, oh, I don't, have, I don't ever have any opportunities to witness. They're right there. There are so many opportunities that are around, you know, people's... The Bible has the answer for all of life's problems. And so, you know, if you just listen to people, you can find out what's going wrong and you can simply 
and kindly share with them what the Bible says about, you know, several issues. Obviously, salvation is the most important one and the natural man doesn't understand spiritual things. But you can be that, you know, in a world that's dark and, you know, there are many depressing things going on. You can be that that light and that salt. Share the gospel and just be that source of comfort and hope for people in the workplace, your friends, family, people in church. And I think that's what people need. And I think that's that's one of the whole points of this mm. is people need to see what Christians are. People need to see that we're out, we are out there. We need to stop hiding, stop mm. just being there and show up. Because people are looking for that. People are looking mm. for people to show up. And I think that's, that's big. Mm. And before we end this off, brother... I put you in the DeLorean, I send you back 10 years. Ask everyone this question. I send you back 10 years. What are you telling Adam 10 years ago? What, you're, 20, you're 15? Yeah, I would have been 15. All right, you're 15 years old. What are you telling 15-year-old Adam? What would 15-year-old Adam be telling 25-year-old Adam? What would 25-year-old Adam be telling 15-year-old Adam? You're going back in time. You're giving him a perspective. I think stay the course. It's really important. Bro, you know you're we not know. the first one to say that. That's a big one. Stay mm. the course. Why? We know what is true. Mm. You know, we know that the Bible has the answers. We know what God wants for us. You know, like I shared in the other segment, that that God has a plan for our lives. And it's most of it is revealed in the Word of God, what He wants us to do. Mm. You know, we just need to do it. Like, we just... I don't want to sound like an ambassador for Nike, <laughs> but we just need to do it. We know yeah. we know what is right, and yet so many times it's just our stubborn, selfish self getting in the way mm. from doing what God wants us to do. So, you know, Stay we know what we know what we should be doing. So let's just do it. <laughs> I like that, ladies and gents. You know what you're doing. So just do it. Stay the course. And, mate, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Um, Adam kept talking about another segment or another show. Well, Adam jumped on Have a Chat with Ray and Stat. That's airing tomorrow, so make sure you jump on that. Make sure you follow Adam. Adam, they can find you where? Instagram, Facebook. All they that. can find me at church when it opens up too. Oh, really? There you go. There's, a, there's something new. If I'm in the state. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gents, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Um, share the video around. Share these stories. Let's hear more stories about more Christians. And if you've got someone you want to jump on the show, let us know. Let us know in the comment section below. Ben and Pastor. Hey, we've got a call out again. We're calling out Ben and Pastor. There you go. <laughs> Adam, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Ray.